in God's image. In God's image, God sent us to build us. The confidence embossed in us to kill us. Lost innocent pilgrimage just to chin up. Staring at my feet, dragging across the concrete. Why so gloomy? Tears down the cheek, they would fool me. Trying to save a soul, I could barely save myself. I gotta get control and let go of all the hell. My palm's scorching, scar tissue, what I felt. Wipe your eyes, don't be tainted by the circumstance. Life's a ride when it rains, you gotta dance. Hunger pains remain, I'm cooking for the fam. Some neglect to respect for who I am. It's royalty, so approach with appreciation Nurturing is in my nature, honesty is my behavior Music is my savior, I'm chasing love more than I'm chasing paper Think I should stop running now, cause my back hurts From carrying your burdens, my brother told me not to move backwards And I'm certain, I've come a long way from the man that I wasn't The man that I am, you don't love him, I'm above it Watch from a bird's eye, full spectrum on the whole pie Ingredients ain't natural, I've seen this my whole life Tricks on my old mind, heart on my sleeves dying they say it all heals in time I help everyone around me with as much as I can I'll give you what I clutch in my hand I'll show you all my thoughts and I'll show you my plans I'll give you what I clutch in my hand I help everyone around me with as much as I can I'll give you what I clutch in my hand I'll show you all my thoughts and I'll show you my plans I'll give you what I clutch in my hand Alright, welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy, folks I'm your host, Anthony Tyler, and we're here broadcasting on the Fringe FM initially. Um, I've got my new friend, Mr. Brad Kelly, here as a guest on the show. Um, you could go uh, check out his website, bradkellyesque.com. That's E-S-Q-U-E. Um, he's an author and podcaster. Him and uh, his friend Kevin Kautzman do the Art of Darkness podcast. It's a very in-depth podcast. Uh they really go all out and uh the it's it's people who uh, part of the the thing is that it's people who are dead now right brad you guys don't do yeah, living yeah yeah that's correct yep yeah. yep so and uh you know we were just talking before the break uh because i wanted to so this this conversation is going to be a bit about uh metaphysics and literature and uh as a loose umbrella and we're going to get into all sorts of different stuff cuz brad and i are both writers um and uh i thought that uh, what a better way to sort of get in the mindset, not only of like the show's aesthetic a little bit, but of this conversation. So I listened to their HP Lovecraft episode finally, and uh, uh, it was it was very interesting. We all know uh, if anyone, it I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you're familiar with HP Lovecraft and how checkered his history is, and uh, mm-hmm. and they did it very tastefully, and uh, it was very informative, and I think it's a great um, example of what those guys are doing over there. Um, and they do all sorts of different artists, but, um, you guys have great back and forth too. How long have you known Kevin for Brad? Oh yeah. it's a good question. Yeah. So, uh, my buddy, Kevin Kautzman, the great playwright from, uh, Minnesota, he, he and I met in graduate school. So we both, um, went to the university of Texas for masters of fine arts in, uh, creative writing him, him on the theater side, me on the, on the fiction side. And yeah, we were friends there. And like, we had started a couple podcasts. Like we started one when we lived down there, but we didn't really know what we were doing mostly because we were just hanging out. (laughs) We were like, we thought our conversations were cool. Maybe they were, I have no idea. I couldn't remember what we talked about. Um, And then later (laughs) we did like an interview one and it was fun, but like we kind of, it was sort of limited because we didn't have a, um, we didn't have like a theme to it. There wasn't like some, it wasn't like a project. It was just conversations. And for us, it felt like, 
um, we, so we eventually kind of put that on the shelf and we're like, well, let's let's think for a while on something that as a has a core um, sort of thesis or maybe set of theses. Right. Um, and so, you know, that was I've known Kevin since 2010 and we've been doing Art of Darkness for, I guess, just over two years now. Right. So. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think we've got a. I, I I, we we I, it's funny we don't live in the same place and i see him in person almost never uh and yet i probably talk to him more than i talk to anybody except for my wife <laughs> so, yeah i feel yeah. you yeah it's yeah. good to have good friends and uh yeah you could tell just listening you guys are good friends um mm-hmm, so i sure. definitely uh recommend that to everybody listening uh check out art of darkness podcast uh you're also an author you you went you both went to school um what 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 is your did you get a degree in creative writing yeah yeah i've got an mfa in in creative writing nice. the mfa feels like in the writing world there's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a curse word now to say you've got an mfa but, but it Why? was a good experience because well, people like yeah, well, I, I, there's I think there's a couple of reasons. So there is, uh, you know, there's a problem. There's always a slight issue whenever you try to put art in the institution, right? So we need we need patronage throughout history. Artists have needed some kind of patronage. Um, it's only been in the last little while where it's been almost like exclusively like trying to sell a thing to an individual person. You know, there's always commissions and noblesse oblige and rich people, you know, and, and and that still sort of exists primarily through fellowship programs and through through academia. But whenever you put any art form in the institution, it starts to get a little bit codified. It starts to run on grooves a little bit too easily. And I think there's been a little bit of an overproduction in the last 10, 20 years of an what we would call an MFA style of writing. Um, and there's like interesting, even conspiratorial uh, thoughts about how this came about. <laughs> like, I mean, in the 60s, I think it was in the 60s, the first the first MFA program at Iowa was started by a former intelligence agent. Oh, down the rabbit hole we go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know all the details. I can't speak to all of the details there. But like also the guy who started the Paris Review, um, Peter Mathiasen, who's a brilliant writer, he also had ties to the intelligence community. So there was a there was a slight, I think, attempt to massage a certain kind of style in those early decades of the MFA programs, because at first there was only a handful. There was one at Iowa, and then they like gradually grew. And now there's, I don't know, there's probably 80 or 100 of them in the United States now. And uh, so you had that element, and then you've just got the element of, um, if you've ever been in a workshop environment, everybody feels like they have to say something. And so uh, something as a constructive critique and so the constructive technique the cons- constructive critiques end up often having a similar flavor and so you kind of end up with the same it's not like you end up with all the same stories but but you end up with a lot of fiction that has a very similar kind of wash to it and it's hard for me to explain like it's kind of hard for me to explain in the abstract but i can point to it when i see it yeah <laughs> if, that may, if that makes sense you're making me think of let me Google this to make sure I know what I'm saying right. Um, it, I I believe I want to say I could be getting this wrong, but there's there's some sort of a derogatory word for most cartoon aesthetic these days, and I came across mm. it. I think it's like it's like the uh, man. 
Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm going to have to Google to figure it out. But um, <laughs> um, if I had uh, prepared for that, I would have fished it out. But right. I, but um, um, and, and yeah, this, it's like you this see style it on... isn't. It's not all bad either. Like a lot of the it, like I'm saying, like it gets formed by all these different kinds of comparable criticisms. A lot of those criticisms are valid. Like. Um, right, and right. if you follow them, you will make a good story. But the problem is it then it starts to establish aesthetic boundaries. And so it's like, oh, it's perfect, but it's within these these this set of this set of boundaries. And so you get a lot of stuff throughout the early throughout the 2000s and into the 2010s. A lot of the like popular literary fiction has been very MFA style. And I think people are just kind of sick of it it's just like anything it can start out great and after a while people are like eh, i don't know, <laughs> you know yeah just, i've it's I've, I've, worn out so I me saying i have an mfa like if people aren't familiar with my writing it will immediately if they have opinions on the mfa style they might immediately dismiss me i don't think i write in the mfa style so i'm, I'm good with that that's all right yeah and i mean there's nothing wrong <laughs> with uh enjoying something so much that you want to you know as go as far as you can with it absorb mm -hmm. as much as you can like at a best yep. case scenario that's all a degree is but people some people will get pretentious with it but you're clearly not one of those yeah people, but... yeah you got to use those opportunities to like uh, every education i mean i've spent a lot of time in college and all the best stuff i learned was like still within that my going kind of my own direction you know picking my own reading to some degree and and all of that so yeah, you got to take advantage of it and and also realize that it's not the whole it's not the whole thing either at the same time so yeah absolutely i remember i can't remember the term but i remember where i read it it was um i was going down the dark rabbit hole of um the creator of uh ren and stimpy and all that going on but he has a derogatory term for like the generic uh most generic cartoon designs you can find and uh and it's all comes from um the the degree that in the, the the college field of art and uh and somewhere in california so very sure. similar thing yeah um um yeah, it and just, there... it, it just gets a little tired it gets kind of yeah. worn out it's just like you see the same thing in like musical musical genres and right. you know this stuff evolves over time and the old stuff comes back and you know yeah it's just the nature of the beast for sure so before we get into uh some more meat of like some metaphysics and whatnot because i know you're into tarot as well correct i am yeah, yeah yeah we can talk about tarot all you want man right on um <laughs> yeah so and we'll plug this at the end as well but um tell people a little bit about some of your work like i know it was sure. at the 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 most recent was house of sleep correct yeah house of sleep is a novel that came out uh oh geez 2021 now um uh, yeah, House of Sleep is a, uh, I call it sci-fi, that's P-S-Y-F-I, hmm. uh, mostly just, you know, to have a little bit of a gimmick, but it does actually mean something to me. Uh, House of Sleep is, I would call it something akin to a, uh, a esoteric or occult psychological thriller. Premises, basically, there is a group living out at the fringes of town, and they have a sort of a workshop or a retreat kind of scenario in which they all take a drug that makes them remember their dreams as clearly as yesterday. So they're living out in this place and they're, they're trying to keep everything as mundane and unchanging throughout their waking day. And they're building a collective dream environment. And they're led by this, 
uh, eccentric guru figure who's kind of part Tim Leary, part Willy Wonka, part <laughs> Judge Holden from Blood Meridian. Uh, <laughs> and then the, there's there's a couple of primary characters who are new newcomers to this place. And it's 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 sort of about them, uh, what drew them there um, and and what they end up learning about what the diving man, the guru who leads this place is, is up to. And so it's about language. It's about uh, dreams for sure. Um, it's about, uh, you know, grief and heartbreak and all of those things. It's about, uh, and, and then finally, you know, I hope in some ways it's about transcendence. So yeah, that's, that's it. House of Sleep. Go, go check it out. Yeah. It's getting good reviews. People seem to, people who've read it seem to like it, but yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a, a very easy segue as well, because, um, uh, a part of the loose, premise of our conversation here uh that i pitched to you um is the i guess like transcendental alchemical what have you uh process that is involved in um art in general but specifically writing for us and for Mm -hmm. those of you that aren't writers out there you know i think the more you think about it you're hard pressed to find an art that doesn't involve you know like the equivalent of writing like songs there's uh, you're still writing in a way there's mm-hmm. so much of uh it's just like the building blocks of the creative process so i think almost any artist can really relate but um yeah yeah i have uh i, I wish i remember who told me this but we were kind of had a, having a conversation about you know what is art man and his thing was like art is just when you put two things next to each other and, it, and you make a third thing that's all it is yeah right. absolutely which, I, which I like number. it's Two, two, two notes next to a, a, a musical note by itself doesn't really mean a whole lot. It can be lovely, but it doesn't really do much. You put a ne- next one, one right next to it, and suddenly you have something, right? And writing's the same way. One word by itself, mm, that doesn't do a whole lot, but you start stringing them together and you you, you can have something for sure. So yeah, you're, you're right. I think some things relate to all of the musical the musical forms. So, And there's to, to me, it's, this uh, will allow me to get a little bit personal and I invite you to get as personal as you like. Uh, Cause that's something that, uh, uh, that we just try to do on this show in general. Mm-hmm. Cause there's uh, uh, an emphasis of, you know, catharsis as well. Cause like, that's one of the, uh, I, I think people can um, toss around a lot of different motivations, but in the long run, catharsis is what so much of our motivations boil down to. Um, mm-hmm. um, but so for me, um, I always found it like interesting, the self-aware aspect of myself wondered, you know, as much as I loved writing, like, what did I love about it? What compels me to just like this monkey brain to sit in front of this screen and just type and like, what am I, you know, like from a, from an observer point of view, or even like an evolutionary point of view, like, what is the purpose of of any of this. And then, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole of like memetics and the exchange of archetypes and things, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on that because it's a, it's, you know, just at its premise, art and especially writing is so, it's so, um, I don't know. It's just off the beaten path to begin with. Like why, Mm. what do you get out of it? And like, why has it become just, um, uh, like a staple of, you know, like, human culture as we know it because it's such a like an obtuse thing like people sitting down for so long laboring over manuscripts for years and so forth yeah yeah no i mean this is this is a great mystery in a way right because like 
and yeah, I can kind of start with the personal angle and then kind of maybe expand out into some thoughts of my own uh, thoughts. I have more generally about it. Yeah. Cause for me, it is, it's like, you can't explain it by the normal incentives that generally are used to explain why things happen. Right. Like, like economists are always talking about like people are going to like, you know, they, they want to break people down into sort of these like units who are always like self-directed to like make the best financial decision. I will tell you, writing has never for a second been a good financial decision for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there has uh, never been. I've been doing it pretty intensively for like two decades now. And there's never been a day where it was like uh, I was counting my dollars and going, oh, I'm glad I did that. <laughs> um, and so, so it can't be that right. And, um, you know, other kind of explanations, like it will, um, it will sort of garner you attention from the opposite sex that hasn't proven to be particularly true either. Right. So, okay. So like, well, what, yeah, what are, what are we left with? And there's, for me, there's, there's a handful of them, uh, maybe not a handful. There's more than one, one specific reason. I mean, uh, and part of it is kind of why I wrote House of Sleep about what I wrote House of Sleep about. I have um, not every night I go in cycles, but I have intense dreams. I have full blown like um, I will tell them to people um, and there's they're like that. I can't I don't understand how that had so many like pieces and parts to it. Right. And it's 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 and they're. I don't want to get into just like repeating dreams I've had, but they're when I can remember them, they're unbelievably complex or often like narratively coherent, but they also do very strange things. Like I have a lot of dreams that I'm not in. Wow. Um, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of dreams where, you, you know, and so there's, there's some weird thing happening in my subconscious that um, I don't know if it's trying to get out or it's trying to pull me in or what, but there's a whole, there's a whole realm of activity going on in there. So partially writing is somehow me trying to explain my own mind to myself, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's well put. I can relate yeah. to that. For sure. Yeah. Right. And so and and then, you know, there are other parts to it, too. I mean, the, the, another aspect is I just I love literature. Like I love books. I always have. Um, I don't read as much as I want to but that's only because that's pretty much all i want to do <laughs> um and and so for me there's also like this participating in um this grand craft that uh, i deemed important so long ago i don't remember why i decided it was important in a way but but it's almost like a religious it's like a religious faith to me that literature is important and Maybe it turns out that it's not, but like I'm willing to put all my chips on literature being important. Um, um, so for me, it's like par participating in that. And then there's also the the um, enchantment with the aesthetic process. So like I I I love like I love coming up with a perfect sentence. Right. I love yeah. coming up with a sentence that I think is is perfect or close to perfect, or maybe that I love trying to make the perfect sentence, right? Getting asymptotically approaching it. I love that. And then I also love it when I write one that I know nobody else would write. Right. Just like 
doesn't mean it's the best. It doesn't mean it's better than anybody else's, but I know that that's mine, right? I made that. Nobody else is going to come up with that. A hundred years could go by and you're never going to see that sentence in another book, right? Yeah. Um, I love that too. So, um, so that's just like a personal dopamine rush in the moment almost. Um, but you're right about too, the, 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 um, the sort of cathartic element of it too. I mean, you're definitely like, my writing's not super personal. Like it's not autofiction. I don't write in the first person generally. Mm -hmm. Um, and my characters aren't like just me dropped onto the page, but certainly working through stuff in 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 the plot for sure and, and what's happening to the characters you know trying to understand what happened to me trying to understand why that happened um trying to understand what's sort of universal about it trying to understand why did this thing feel so meaningful to me um trying to understand the world that's happening and like what what sort of I don't even know I say what's wrong with it, but like what's happening in the world on a on a level below the just the topic of the day. But in like what's going on with people sort of in a collective in their collective psyche. Right. So trying to understand all of that. And then to me, writing is just also thinking like if you spend two hours a day or something sitting down and writing, that is the most directed. That's more directed active thinking than I think most people do in any given day because yeah. we're not most of the time we're not really thinking we're sort of just kind of going go, doing and that's okay but you know writing you got to like actually sit down sometimes when you're not in flow state anyway and you have to actually like all right what the hell am I doing yeah <laughs> Right. Very present. Yeah. Right. And you have to really crunch through these things. Right. So, so I like, so that aspect of it is, I feel like, um, I feel like that's, I mean, I guess interesting in and of itself. And and then the other thing, writing long projects, I, I know I'm going on forever on this. No, you asked yeah, me, what's feel, the point of doing free. it? It's like, I will tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the other part too is like long projects. Like, I mean, I've been working on, so I dropped House of Sleep. 2021 the book i'm working on now i was working on before that came out i was kind of finished with house of sleep and it wasn't out yet i was working on the thing i'm working on now and i'm i'm a long way through it i mean i'm i'm way past the halfway point i'll probably be finished sometime this year um but you go on these long projects and it's like that is it's like going on an epic adventure but you don't yeah. have you don't even leave your house man, because <laughs> it's like you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have um, you're going to have days where like you're going to have runs of a couple of weeks where you thought it was going good. And then you realize like, oh, man, I took a left turn 15 pages back and that turn didn't make any sense at all now. <laughs> right. So it's it, you know, you're in a labyrinth. You know, there's a matador at the middle you're trying to find. It's 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 quite the experience. So. Yeah, those are some reasons for writing. Yeah. Why why do we need it? That's I, I've been struggling with this question because we do this show Art of Darkness, right? And our whole thing is we're gonna tell you we talk about the the kind of the conceit behind it is we're gonna talk about the dark side of creativity because there is a dark side of creativity, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that so many artists have had their problems, whether they're drugs or depression or, you know, just things that have happened to them. They've lived through wars. We've covered subjects who've lived, who've had all of these experiences. And, um, and so in doing that, we're kind of thinking like trying to figure out like, 
are they doing this in reaction to this sort of darkness or is the darkness like come from the like does being creative cause the dark what is going on here and i've kind of realized that like you know okay why do people make this stuff and it's it's almost like it's its own answer it's like we why do we make art because that's what we do like that's like that's it's like homo sapiens could be like homo makes stuff there's <laughs> yeah. something i don't know what the latin is for that you know but like that's like what we do it's like yeah. it's like saying like well why do people have sex like, yeah <laughs> i couldn't agree more yeah. absolutely yeah. it's so fundamental um mm -hmm. and i think the reason i think you're right about um well what's the best way to put it it's interesting seeing uh how um the creative mindset will oftentimes be so very neurotic and and just downright dark and uh mm -hmm. and i i think it seems to me more often than not it's because well they're not always doing it actively but it if you're going about art in the right way it seems to be some sort of purge process um among mm -hmm. other things but it definitely seems to be things that are unresolved that you are attempting to resolve like Jung talked about, you know, recurring dreams and how even if they didn't have like a world context, um, like in the sense of like Lovecraft's dreams, which I kind of want to bring up because though mm. the 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 vastness of the world was intense. But um Jung said uh, about recurring dreams, you know, even like it they don't have to be entirely elaborate, but if you're having them, you will definitely, if you just pay attention, notice um an unfoldment process you mm -hmm. know there's something that's being worked through and um it seems that art is very similar um like yeah i really like the uh the the example of dr seuss's midnight paintings that were released after his death um and anyone that hasn't seen those should definitely check them out because they are extremely trippy it's like they are yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like i don't know dr seuss took a a bad batch of acid or something it's <laughs> but some of them are very beautiful too and they're all mm -hmm. fascinating but uh it shows yeah i think that if you're being it's, honest with yourself everyone has to process some of those darker things and yeah. if you're going about art in the right way that sort of becomes the outlet for it right instead of like being neurotic in your regular life yeah yeah i think so i mean i i think like I have, I, I'm to some degree neurotic, you know, I think I'm less neurotic than I probably used to be. And I think part of the reason for that is I just, I just, I, I realized how significant, like, I, I kind of realized there were like a couple of things that I needed to have in my life, or I was just going to be cons constantly losing it, less losing my mind. And writing is one of them. So it's, it, to me, sometimes it doesn't even feel like what I'm actually working on is um, directly like in a therapeutic sense, working on some issue. Sometimes you you can find yourself doing that. But like for me, it's literally like the process needs to be happening right. or I'm getting my works are getting gummed up. Right. Like, totally. Yeah. Or I'll start I'll start trying to have conversations with people that they don't want to have, you know. <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i get interested in to, to write a novel i get interested in some very I, I get interested in a weird range of things and some of them kind of end up in the book because they make sense to me um but you know like uh, you know if i just had if i had to if 
I had to do the thinking I needed to do about them, uh, not on the page. I would just be like pulling somebody's sleeve all the time and being like, hey, do you want to talk about tunnels for two yeah. hours? I had a lot of thoughts about tunnels, you know, and people are just being like, I don't really. But you put it on the page and you can make it perfect. Right. So. So, yeah, there's some of that. There's there's definitely a there's definitely like a working things out. And I, I'm not surprised that I, I remember seeing those images and being fascinated by them, but also not being surprised that he had a, a like a flip dark side. Right. Right. It only work. makes like, sense. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that makes that absolutely makes sense, because as much as he probably enjoyed writing those books, there has to be a, a part when you're because you're trying to constrict yourself to the child, the child's level. And he's clearly an absolutely brilliant guy, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's working on some galaxy brain level of creativity. There had to have been uh, there had to have been an aspect of that that wasn't quite satisfying, I would think. So you know, you'd find it venting out in other places for sure. Yeah. And dreams seem to be a big part of this, which make it um, inherently mystical, like the uh, the idea of art in general, but even writing. Um, um, See, I think I have this theory that that basically our that art mm -hmm. is the is the collective dreaming. So you have dreams at night in your head and I have dreams at night in my head. But the art that we make, the films that come out, the music that comes, that's us as a that's us as a culture dreaming. Um, it's beautiful. And, I like that. Yeah. And I think it's really true. I mean, I think it's kind of true. And this is where commercialization gets it kind of starts to corrupt it to a certain degree. Right. Yeah. Because it's like you just keep doing the same thing because it made money last time. And it's like you're not capturing. That's not what we're we're not dreaming Marvel movies anymore. Maybe we were 15 years ago, but that's not, the dream is something else now, right? right? So The authentic dream. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Day two. Log one. Yeah. Yeah. Still lost. Yeah, I'm the apex, gay bridge, creates ribs, shaking you in the space bids, complacence, the basis for basic, we take trips, the faint dimensions, commencing the great shift, my main objective's detecting your brain chips, breaking you out this fake grid and back to earth, reverse is hard enough to crack the turf, and violent drama prompting the cats to burst, this track's the first of what we've rung, enter the stage, scene one, when hex was to pencil, the page beats run, the frame of a sense the ways, three tons, you become prey to the cage, we spun, consensus, listen, it seems dumb, I'm fleet one, so please son, be Gone or be gone, it's begun. We creep from the hollows, we swallow planets and free suns. Nigga, we speak tongue, ain't except the stations with tribes, live with the beat drums. The heat comes in large waves, making head and after me part ways. Do I'd rather travel the stargaze? This odd maze is entrapped in chasms and hallways, causing you rats to spasm, but all plays backwards at long range. Just bold phase actors in wrong lanes. These star glazed tracks attract blackness and broad day. With Charles says, Wagner, some John Blaze is raw techie. When I begin to spar reckless, yeah. I war breakers. We talk. Hecklers, mental crevices with these strong weapons. We launch messages to far stretches like Star Trek. Is my boss reppers? A laws blessed is God's efforts to fraud gestures, spreading false lessons as cross dressers who fade it. You can division clearly that it's tainted, but listen to the theory that explains it. Straight theory. I have walked across the surface of the sun. I have witnessed events so tiny and so fast they can hardly be said to have occurred at all. But you are just a man. The world's smartest man poses no more threat to me than does its smartest termite.
Hello, everybody. This is dang old uh, Tippy Patson here from um, the Black Hoodie Alchemy episodes. I, I just, uh, we're trying to get a whole bunch of different people um, down to the Everglades where we formed our little uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you know, so we can uh, figure out animal telepathy and we can wrestle Illuminati gators and make gator nuggets and uh, we can, um, you know, stop the harvest of adrenochrome and we can smoke a whole lot of catnip and do and basically save humankind so you know if you want to hear the black hoodie alchemy episodes uh where me and my crew the league of extraordinary gentlemen are uh um telling you know bringing our message just check out black hoodie alchemy episodes 14 30 32 33 34 35 and 38 now just remember Tippy Patton wants you to come down to the Florida Everglades and help him save the world from the Illuminati alligators. Uh, but there will be no animal wanking off. Uh, don't we don't do that here anymore? Okay. Well, we're just gonna be wrestling them. No, no other, no bad touches. All right, come down to the Everglades. Take care. Bye. Listen. As we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM. of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at IamDarkWaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at IamDarkWaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dogman Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dogman Murder in Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dogman. Louisiana Water Demon Stories. Sign up today and become a member at IamDarkWaters.com. That's IamDarkWaters.com. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard. And they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. Thank you. Play ball. The dreams have always propelled me, um, and they played a, a, a pretty crucial role in the research I did for my first book, Dive Manual. And um, and there's you know a lot of you know, like Jung was ex- he was propelled by his dreams um, and writing them down, um, and 
uh, having listened again to the HP Lovecraft episode, like, what the hell, man? Do, what do you remember that you can tell me about his dreamscape? Because it was like, his dreamscape yeah. itself was like an, an elaborate world built unto him that he was like uh, adventuring in and being trapped. Yeah, yeah. And particularly, I mean, I think the stuff that I remember the most um, is when he was young, like when he would have, I think he would probably call them night terrors now. And he would be sort of assaulted by these things that he called the night gaunts that were basically like these like leathery demonic creatures that were trying to kidnap him or something. But yeah, he had an inside the dream. He had he he, you know, for people who I'm assuming most people are at least passingly familiar with Lovecraft. I mean, the influence of Lovecraft is in everything now. So like, <laughs> yeah. even if you don't know his work, you actually sort of do know his work. Um but I mean, his 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 thing is this sort of cosmic horror thing, right? And the horror elements, the what is horrible is operating at like all levels of reality. Like it's not you don't just have a monster in the closet like you're living in the monsters like like God is a monster. Right. right. Um, and so I think. He would always say in his personal, like when he was talking to people that he didn't believe any of this stuff and he was just making it up. But I really think maybe that was true or maybe he'd convinced himself he didn't believe it or it was like, you know, it's not rational to believe this stuff. So I don't quote unquote believe it. But it clearly, you know, he was he was sort of living in that realm at night when he went to sleep, this realm that he then gave back was presenting back to the to the reading audience. Um, you know, I couldn't tell you the, the sort of the ins and the outs of that landscape of the sort of the Lovecraft dream reality. Um, but it certainly was about the one thing about it that is, I think, significant and kind of tells you maybe a little bit about Lovecraft psychology, but it's also maybe true for everybody is like humans are very far from being the most powerful thing in the Lovecraft world, right? We're like, we're like little ants and, and we're under the sway of these huge forces that we can barely understand. We can barely even and for Lovecraft. Sometimes we can barely even see them. Like they're mm -hmm. so, they're so otherworldly to us. They, they almost, we almost can't register them with our senses. Um, yeah. Which is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that he is such a a flawed character um, for so many reasons, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, always will be an interesting character study, uh, regardless yeah. of anything. But um, you yeah. know, like uh, uh, I'll give this example because I just like to hear where your thoughts go on this. Um, mm -hmm. um, in my first book, Dive Manual, the uh, the is you know it's sort of like a loose meta narrative where I'm so it's like a almost like a Socratic dialogue where we're going through a lot of material, but oftentimes I'm talking just directly to the reader. Um, mm -hmm. and it they it's sort of uh, um, I'm I'm showing you how to dive essentially, and I'm explaining to you, and you know, in that allegorical sort of way. And mm -hmm. um, um, my experiences that got me there was you know just sort of going down the rabbit hole of esotericism and things, and uh, trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in my own head. Um. It started, among other things, um, with a dream 
and it was you know this was years this was like when i was a teenager so it took a mm-hmm. took some time to unpack this and uh and then um to eventually get to the point where enough distance had come where i i wrote about it but um and 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 it's it's not, it's so benign um but it's just a dream of a of a girl and mm-hmm. it um it, i i had the dream like months before i had met her and then um and you know we had a thing um but afterward i kept having this recurring dream and um uh i couldn't understand cuz i didn't have like a direct you know like it, it it was an important thing but it wasn't it was like the dream was propelled like keeping it in my brain more than my mm-hmm. my active consciousness was trying to at all and it would come and go and um um i started trying to unpack the like uh you know what was the dream symbolism here what was going on and uh thinking about the continuum of uh of the recurring dream and how you know she was uh she was always like leading me through this maze, like these like mm-hmm. deeply archetypal mazes where it could be like a hedge maze or we're like floating through stars or things is wow. always something different. And, um, um, it, uh, she was always, uh, you know, ha- having me try and come and, uh, but I could never, I could never catch her. And, mm-hmm. um, I started, the more I got into, um, trying to parse through the symbolism i got deeper into not just the works but the biographies like the lives themselves of people like dante and uh gautier and i found Mm -hmm. that um what was happening to me as i had started writing this book because i knew you know I've, i've just always liked stories and i thought if i'm entrenched in this enough and i know there's some sort of vague cathartic angle to this i just need to get this out on paper um because it had been after the events at this point, and I was like, I just got all this floating in my head, um, mm-hmm. all this therapy about dreams, and uh, and like I, you know, I just need to tell a story for whatever it's worth. And as I started mm-hmm. to try and contextualize and actually get a story out of it, I noticed that, you know, and let me be make a full disclaimer now. I'm not equating myself to Dante or Gautier here, but the <laughs> sure. archetypal similarity, like everyone goes through, we're all human and we go through similar processes. And what I found is that, you know, them, um, everyone, you know, if you're familiar with Dante, you know, that Beatrice was his muse, but uh, Gautier, it's, you know, a little lesser known that mm-hmm. he had a similar uh, muse. And, you know, you just find the archetype of the muse all throughout. And yeah, I, he I, had the... He had like the wife of a coworker or some, something, some like, like unrequited that. love or something that he pursued. And it's what he wrote the sorrows of young Werther about, I think. But yeah, yeah anyway, if yeah. I remember correctly, he ended up breaking the heart and leaving and then regretting mm. it. I don't remember mm, what okay. the context of the woman was. Um, yeah. She could have been a coworker's wife. Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> um, I remember for some reason, I remembered it being like unrequited, but it might have been that he didn't love her yeah so i don't know we're just having a conversation here folks google that later (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, Um, yeah. but uh so it it became like a big epiphany for me it's like i am just a piece of a story that's continuously being told um yeah and you know and and again like just to emphasize not in some fantastical like chosen one way it's that we all really do have yeah you're a, a human you're a human being yeah, yeah. You're a human being you're part of the human story man yeah for yeah. sure and uh and so that i was like you know once i really that sank in I, I know i need to write this because i don't remember where i heard this first either but i'm sure you've heard it as well like you know that you need to produce something 
if you go out in the world looking for it and it's not there, mm-hmm. you know? So like a, that book or that song, that aesthetic, if you can't find mm-hmm. it out there, then that's probably a sign that you need to go set forth, yeah. you know? And uh, yeah, yeah, that's your, and, I, I, the way I think that's your, that is now your responsibility. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally feel that. Yeah. I've had, I mean, I've had the recurring dream, recurring dreams too. It's, it's interesting that, you know, you wrote this book called dive manual, uh, main character for me in house of sleep is one of the main characters is called the diving man. <laughs> uh, the first, the first sentence is, uh, the mind is an ocean. Is it not? uh so yeah yeah so we got some some real correspondences and and you know that some of that book came to me in dreams so i have been it's been a little while since this is this has happened but i will have recurring characters in dreams who are not people that i know um Mm -hmm. who are relatively consistent in how they act I don't know who these people are. Man. Like, yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> and yeah. Rain and like they they will show up. You know, sometimes it's just two or three times. I've had a few that have been more than that. And yeah, and you just think, well, okay, what am I supposed to do with this person? What who is this? For me, it's usually a guy. Actually, I don't know why, but they have they fit like different archetypal or sub archetypal roles. Um, but they'll show up, and they're always like trying to get me to do something. <laughs> interesting i want to pick that more and um yeah before i forget um since i realized i did just kind of tell a story i might as well give the quick end of it uh yeah just, please I'm, i interrupted you i'm sorry no no not at all uh but just generally speaking if anyone thought i was a cliffhanger like in the end what that dream was was like a a very big alchemical metaphor for myself that i was trying to unravel because um you know and i i haven't talked to that girl in some years now but we're on good terms and i'm very happily um um in a relationship now and have been for some time but it was a it was a it was like the union of opposites it was a it was an echo from my you know un, the deepest recesses of my unconscious mind of the uh you know essentially the anima like the mm-hmm. the feminine aspect of my uh my psyche that feminine in the you know in the exoteric, but especially in the esoteric, which is a, a rabbit hole, you know, it's uh, yeah. the implications yeah. of, uh, of uh, the positive and negative. I think that um, oftentimes, like we're talking about motivations and things in art um, and so forth. Um, the, I guess that's why I'm so obsessed with alchemy is uh, you know, the union of opposites is so often at the core of all these things, like, you know, mm-hmm. and just equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Well, and this is like, you know, it it raises all kinds of questions, right? Yeah. So you've got, you're definitely trying to transmute something into something else, right? Right. right. And language is, language is like the oldest magic trick or the oldest alchemy, really, right? It's that you're, you're, you're basically transmuting an idea in your head out into the world and then possibly into another person's head. Right. So you go back hundreds of thousands of years or whatever to like the dawn of language, like the first time someone said a word and another person understood it was like a, was like the equivalent of like, you know, a nuclear weapon in terms of like the impact uh, on, 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 on history. Right. Um, She's, and I think of that, that thing is equivalent to like a magical act that, that happened. And so anytime 
you're sort of working in the in the realm of language if you're being careful and thoughtful about it you can be doing some kind of transmutation process you can be taking these inchoate things that are sort of in your head and 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 bringing them out uh maybe not maybe even just spoken it doesn't even necessarily have to be written i mean you're talking about jung i'm sure you're familiar with the there's jung's quote i wish i could get it verbatim but it's something like until you make the uh, unconscious conscious it will it will guide your life and you will call it fate absolutely right? so, 100% yeah, so there's this, there's this all of this stuff happening and some of it in my opinion is like uh ancestral like it's build up from generations gone and past that's in mm. you still and yeah that's part of the artistic process is trying to trying to wrestle with some of that so just get that stuff out in in the sunlight to some degree yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's not always easy you don't know yeah you don't really know what's in there either and that's why dreams i think are important i know it's really easy to dismiss i think for a lot of people um and i think what i think the the the, the issue that people i think what people need to be careful about is what happens is dreams don't seem like they make any sense and so they just go oh well it must not it just it must just be nonsense and so you don't do any, you don't spend any time processing it, right? But like, if someone slid a note under your door and it was written in a weird language, you wouldn't just go, ah, that's probably just nonsense. Right. right? right. Like if you found like an envelope <laughs> that you didn't know where it came from, you opened it, it was like in like some, some like, uh, I don't know, some other, it was in Cyrillic or something. You wouldn't be like, ah, that's probably garbage. <laughs> yeah, they, they <laughs> like, most certainly... Yeah maybe, I should try to, yeah. yeah, maybe I should try to translate this thing and see what it's see what it's telling me, right? Yeah, yeah. like in the it, in the way that uh words that and letters themselves are just like magical glyphs, you know. They um, really are. I mean yeah, it's absolutely yeah, it's it's I mean that goes back to casting a spell, abracadabra. That stuff is all that stuff's all just baked right into the language. That that language is basically language is basically magic. Most certainly. Yeah. And, and you can tell it's magic because the people who are the best at it could do like you can use it for bad, you know, you can use it for manipulative reasons, right? You think about like what a con man can do. Yeah. Um that's L R H Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> yeah. a writer and a con man, dude. Uh, yeah, who took yeah. it all the way in a way that like what an asshole and just, you know, just a, a real piece of work. But like, right. man, he went for it and he knocked it out of the fucking park. Like, you got to <laughs> right. give him respect for that, I guess. <laughs> right. Like, right. holy right. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was, I mean, he was a magician, right? Just a yeah. bunch of nonsense words basically builds this whole thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, you can definitely question it. But it should be like, again, it's like, oh, that's the power of like the magical process of language, right? Of making no things in your brain real. Yeah. Yeah, that really is a crazy rabbit hole. That man just went from uh, like dime store science fiction to creating the religion of the celebrities. Like unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's it's a little, it is, you're right. It is, it's like, it's kind of impressive in a way. Just the yeah. fact that you can even do that, right? He's, ha he's having Hollywood celebrities sign billion year soul contracts and shit, man. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. right. I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole other <laughs> level, dude. That's wild. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, cause I want to talk, uh, I want to get deeper down the, the rabbit hole of, uh, esotericism now, but sure. I guess to put a, like a bow on top of like dreams and art, I think that 
you know, what, what you mentioned earlier of trying to work through something. Um, I think that like dreams and their relationship to art is that might be like the linchpin in that theory, because Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, the further you go back in history it seems like you know people drawing the the cave paintings on the walls and um and like uh the the concept of yeah sure they were cataloging events but they also seem to be trying to visualize things as well Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know and and using that as a reference and 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 i'm sure you know because you're using the same brain faculties at that point like the mirror neurons and things to create the art that you are processing the dream so Mm -hmm. there's something very innate going on where uh i i think you're right like the 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 process of it's just like having sex like it's just a Mm -hmm. part of the human condition um mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah it's part of it's part of what we do it's like it's it's you know I, I think people fall for this trap we fall for this trap in like modern the modern era where we there's a lot of like discussion about like well what's necessary right like what, mm-hmm. what is actually necessary to do and so you know it's like and and i think the the we we can kind of relate it to like well okay what's necessary to survive in the woods for a week you know you might not need art to survive for the woods in in the woods for a week i will i will grant you that um but 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 in order to survive like as a as a species and especially if you're a creative person I, and i know some people just don't feel that pull and that's fine i mean the world's made up of all different kinds of people right but i mean if you are past a certain level of creativity and this doesn't this i'm not talking talent or skill i'm just talking how your brain works right um you'll go crazy if you don't make stuff like i think you'll actually lose your mind yeah so i I agree with you yeah (laughs) so so it's clearly necessary right and then what do you like what would be the opposites like just just like medicate those people so they don't feel like doing that like i don't (laughs) yeah it seems like a bad approach absolutely yeah. yeah i mean there is that there's so many people have said it so many different ways that that fine line between genius and insanity is just like a slight teeter so mm-hmm. i really yeah, don't think sure. you can argue with it um yeah. but talk about like hermeticism and the magic of the word i've always been interested in tarot because mm-hmm. it is like a pictorial choose your own adventure deck that you just shuffle every time you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You, and you um i think that there's something really fascinating about that like there's something so it's like a it's like a novel in a very unique way and sure you can look at like i don't think the egyptian priests themselves were actually flipping through tarot cards per se but mm-hmm. <laughs> um it, there it clearly has a long history and certainly the symbols used have been used, you know, since like time as, you know, culture as we know it. And um, um, there is also something like definitely um, like evolutionarily mystical about the idea of cards and like the idea of gambling being a form of like divination in a way and like mm-hmm. really playing the stakes, like cards in and of themselves have a real archetypal quality to them. And I think that um, it's a, uh, I think that the idea of the tarot deck, some people, um, you know, like the skeptic who doesn't know shit about uh, yeah. the practice to begin with, like, oh, like playing cards, like, what is right. this? You know, right. but right. it's, uh, 
it's a it's a really rich tradition and um absolutely and yeah i'd honestly i'd like to hear your thoughts on that sure Just go yeah for yeah it. i mean i don't know like do you have you done much i mean it sounds like you've thought about it a lot conceptually have you done much like studying the actual individual cards at all yeah i'm fairly yeah. familiar okay. um i could not i mean how many there's 72 cards like uh 78 78 yeah, yeah there's mm-hmm. so many but um i <laughs> sure. and and i've been um meaning to get back into it but there was a period of time for a couple of years where i regularly worked with it okay. so i'm i'm yeah. pretty familiar, pretty familiar. with the, the yeah, yeah 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 for sure no i think everything you're saying is exactly right i mean i think there yeah there used to be there were some attempts at sort of self-mythologizing by some of the some of the people in the um in the 19th century like eliphas uh Le- levi and mm, um yeah. And uh, A.E. Wait and some other people that were trying to like tie it to like ancient Egyptian knowledge. I don't know that that's true. But the thing is, like the history of esotericism is full of like, like weird little hoaxes. Totally. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like the Corpus Hermeticum. They used to, you know, it turned out like, oh, actually, it's not thousands of years old. You know, so so that doesn't bother me at all. And and even the fact that there's like a little bit of flim flammery in the people who were making some of the decks and that like they're trying to tell you that they have access. The the thing is, it either a reading either works or it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. As long as you're a little bit flexible in thinking in your definition of what does work mean, right? What does it mean for it to work? Then I think you can actually do divination with a bunch of different things. So I think you can do, um, you know, I think if you have a book that you really like, you could do divination with like pages and you could just flip to a page and that could be, you could basically do something like a tarot reading with that for sure. The whole yeah. random thing. And I think this is what you're part of what you're talking about with the cards being archetypal. So I got this deck here. This is a, this is basically by shuffling them. It's sort of like a random number generator, right? Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's taking out, I'm not picking specific cards, and so by doing that, like now there's like a little a little meaning vacuum. And then I place myself inside that little meaning vacuum. Yeah. And um, and now I'm sort of like looking for the pattern to make sense to me. Right. So I'm turning on like that pattern recognition part of my brain. And it's so it always ends up like it always ends up working because life is so complicated that every pa- there's something in every pattern to tell you something. Right. That's that's if you don't want to buy into any of the sort of woo-woo aspects of it like if you don't want to if somebody doesn't want to believe that there's a spirit talking to them through the cards and 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 that sort of thing um i think there's an argument that it works completely on rational you know no supernatural business terms um i don't i think there's more to it than than that i think it's extra rational for sure i don't pretend to know what's going on but yeah the images have been developed over time and the images that didn't work were over time replaced by images that worked better right and this is the reason why you know like i'm looking through my deck here so these cards the minor arcana the pips like i just pulled one nine of cups they didn't used to have drawings of figures on them they just had like a design on it oh and That has faded out because uh, Pamela Coleman Smith, working under A.E. Wait, with some influence on the solo by the Solo Busca deck, um, she put 
figurative drawings and all the de- all the all of the cards the entire deck and so now that is the convention and most of the new decks you see will be directly inspired by the work that pamela coleman smith and ae weight did right so were they drawing on were they drawing on like ancient imagery i don't know i do know that pamela coleman smith was like a synesthete a synesthete like an intense synesthete she listened to music and, and saw images um she she had like she mastered like jamaican folklore in like two years when she was a teenager she knew all the entire folklore of the entire she was she was something special and she was certainly tapped into something yeah um and so she's she's drawing these pictures i i don't know where (laughs) all i know is it works i know when i flip six cards for somebody most of the time they go holy shit (laughs) <laughs> yeah man there's i i think you hit the nail on the head with um the the sort of boilerplate definition because um like there's even jungian psychoanalysts out there that have written books about like the therapy of tarot i don't mm-hmm. think i've i've read like a full book on the subject myself but it, the the basic premise follows as such and it's mm-hmm. uh you know it's exactly as you laid out and as you were explaining it uh the perfect sort of like unconscious buildup, but I feel like it, it really illustrates the point that we were making earlier of just the need to uh, creating and uh, putting out art helps us contextualize our life in ways that we are like grasping at straws for otherwise. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that inherent process is sort of what tarot is, is uh, striking at the core of, right? Yeah, um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for me as like a reader, so I do, I do readings for people, not a, a lot, but you know, I, I, I've done, ma- I've done many over, over time and I've done a little bit less lately. Um, and I will often tell people like, what we're going to do is I'm going to put out some cards and I'm going to tell you a story about you right now with these cards. This is what we're going to do. You're going to, they're going to ask a question. They don't ask it to me. They just keep it to themselves. And then I start flipping cards and I'm going to, and generally it finds its way into them somehow. Right. Um, and it's really fun to do when you don't know the person at all. Like it's, I do it for friends and stuff and it's a little tricky because I kind of know their deal. Right. So I'll kind of subconsciously cheat. You know, I'm not trying to, but I know what's on their mind. Right. I get But we do it with random people like that. And, you know, you have very little conversation ahead of time. It's pretty interesting how how quickly it can really resonate um, with what's going on with them. And like, um, you know, just kind of for your listeners, kind of give you an example of like, well, let me just let me just pull a card. I'll give you a one card. Let's do it. Okay. Let me do one one quick shuffle. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I got the six of pentacles. All right. So there's four suits, just like in the just like in the card deck. And I know you probably know this, but I'm just going to explain it for your audience. A Absolutely. Bit too, in case they're not deep on tarot. All right. So uh, there are four suits in tarot, just like there are in a poker deck. Um, there are pentacles, wands, uh, cups, and swords. Um, these have been related to a bunch of different things. The thing that I think is most productive to relate them to, to are two things, elementals. So cups are, um, water. In this case, we have pentacles. This is earth. Um, and they also relate to four quad, the, the four quadrants of, I think Jung called it mental activity. So you have the, um, 
intuitions or uh, subconscious, you have the unconscious or emotions, you have uh, cognitive, like actual problem solving, conscious brain stuff. And then you have the sensorium, which is just your senses, right? Pentacles relate to uh, the senses and they relate to element earth. So when you get a pentacle card, it's usually has something to do with resources or your sensory experience. So this can be money, this can be um, knowledge. It can be other kinds of resources. It can also be relationships, though generally not romantic relationships. It could be like business relationships or things like that. Um, and it can also represent like opportunities. This is like the real world, right? Is what the pentacles and I put re real in quotation marks. Because, <laughs> I feel you. you know, this is this is the this is the world you wake up in and you like you you need coffee and like you know <laughs> like you know and you get like you have to sit in traffic. Mm, oh, that's the, the traffic realm, world. Realm, I love that right, world. right. That's the realm <laughs> of pentacles, right? And this card in particular, the five, you've got a figure um, who is standing in the center and he has a balance. He has a like a like a little balance beam like in a marketplace and he's got two people and he's deciding uh he's basically deciding uh he's got two sort of beggars two people who are like in you know they're kind of in rags and they've got their hands out they they're they're asking for something he's giving one of them i don't know if it's food or coins it's not really clear it's probably coins so this card is all about um it can be about really two things one is about what you how you share and dispose of your resources relative to other people. So are you are you giving? Are you withholding? And notice, sometimes it's the right thing to withhold, right? Like, you know, you think of the metaphor of like feeding a stray, it's going to always come back. Maybe it's not the right thing to feed that, that, that stray this time, you know? A lot of people spend their whole life giving to everyone else and they no, don't have anything left for themselves, right? For sure. Um, and it's certainly not always good thing to withhold either, right? And so this card speaks to the challenge of figuring of figuring that out. And it can also speak to the um, you can also think of these two beggars as being different parts of yourself. You know that whole like there are two wolves inside of you, son. And you know which <laughs> one's going to survive? The one you feed. It's kind of like that too, right? It's like, are you going to give? all of your resources to the part of you that's that's pissed off and resentful and holding a grudge or are you going to give it to the part that's um you know is full of love and wants the best are you going to give it to the weak part of yourself or the strong part of yourself and so this card doesn't really answer any questions but what it does is it it illuminates the limits of what could be a kind of a small crisis in your in in your head or actually out in your life right um, but because it's the pentacles, it really has to do with actual physical resources. This could even be time. So it could be about what are you giving time to as well. Um, so all that's baked into this little card. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. And you throw that out. And, and there's 78 of those. There's 78 of those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you throw that out and you throw three or six of them in a row and then you're making connections between them. And, you know, it's. This is why I say it kind of always works because yeah. I I've dealt with that issue. I'm sure everybody does, right? How do I how am I going to spend my time? How am I going to spend my resources? What's the best place to, you know, um you know, I wanted to do I donated a little bit of money to this uh this earthquake earthquake in Turkey and I don't bring this up to sound like a good guy, but I spent like a half an hour figuring out who should I even give the money to. <laughs> right? Like I don't want to just 
give it to the first link that pops up because I don't know that that's actually the best place for it to go, right? Right. Um, so you think about like all of these things, right? Um, yeah. That very fascinating. Mm-hmm. What What do you think? Now's your chance to you know because we articulated the symbolism pretty well mm-hmm. and like it's yeah. it's extremely dense um mm-hmm. and um i find it fascinating um mm-hmm. like like i'm glad you went through a card because it really articulates like i don't mean to sound dense like oh like it was mm-hmm. boring as fuck dense so like <laughs> there's so much there's a lot there at once yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. and that's then again there's 78 of them so there's a whole mm-hmm. lot going on um so and and i i think we laid out the the boilerplate definition well so here's your chance to get a little more fanciful with your philosophies like what do you think is going on with this stuff man what do you believe what do i think is going on with the tarot yeah and 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 implications of mysticism at large but definitely with tarot yeah sure yeah i mean um so i think that i think that there is a (laughs) so i think there is a part of your brain i think there's actually yeah yeah i think there's a part of your i don't even want to say your brain i think there's a part of your mind that is below your conscious experience that serves as a reservoir for all kinds of i don't even know if it's information exactly um but i think i think living in modernity Um, I think there's a membrane between that part of you and the conscious part of you that's operating in the day in the day, like the part of a, the part of you that like open figured opened up zoom and sent a link, right? Like that's, that's is like a, that's like a very out right in front of you. It's almost not even in your head, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like, it's almost like just a, a six inches past your eyes. And I think living in modernity has thickened the membrane between that forebrain part and this deeper part, this sort of ancient part uh, that's full of instincts and stuff we used to know how to do and um, and is a lot more porous in its connection to everything. Um, and I think it's also probably, um, you know, I think there's, I mean, I guess I'm somewhat of a Gnostic in that I do buy into the concept of there being a sort of a divine spark Mm -hmm. in people. And I think that there's many things that allow us to pierce through that membrane a little bit. Um, And tarot is one of them. And tarot works really well for me as a writer because it's built out of narrative subunits. Right, that's a good way to explain it. narrative subunits. Yeah, quote yeah, because like it's not yeah. it's not a full that card isn't a full story. It's, it doesn't have yeah. a beginning, middle, and end. It's just a it's just a piece, and you need multiple pieces really. Yeah. Um. So it works really well for me because of the way that my forebrain has come to be. Right. I think I think very narratively. Um. And I think for other people, there's probably other techniques that maybe work a little bit better for them. I mean, I know some people just spending a lot of time out in nature, I think shrinks that membrane for them or makes that makes that membrane more porous. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and I think there's a million tactics. I think that's what a lot of magic, like magical or alchemical processes are doing. I mean, I think that's what psychedelic psychedelics are doing um, uh, in the best case. 
uh i think that's what making art is doing you know and like i said before that whole jung thing you know if you don't make the subconscious conscious it will run your life and you will call it fate i mean this is part of making the subconscious conscious right mm -hmm. um the tarot is all about like telling you what's going on now that you're not quite aware of like you haven't you haven't maybe you know that but you haven't quite articulated it or you haven't quite put the two things together and it's 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 helping you it's helping you soften in your categories so that you can start recombining things and understanding what's going on for you um yeah yeah so i think there's a ton of practices tarot tarot works well for me um for the reasons i said but i think i think you know there's there's countless other ones too I think I think even doing something where you get in your body like I think like martial arts or like vigorous exercise might do it for some people I think everybody's a little bit different most certainly yeah, yeah. like it, it blew my mind when I learned I don't know it's probably only hasn't even been that long um but coming across the the idea that like some people just don't have like vision like they don't they don't rely on imagery in their head like yeah I've I've so heavily relied on uh, on the you know imaginary imagery all throughout my life. Like even being bored in the car as a kid, you know, mm -hmm. waiting to conk out for a nap, you could just think of some cool shit. You know, tell some stories with the action figures that you like the most, and you yeah, know, do whatever you want. And uh, to, the the idea that in and I guess in many ways that carried over into art. But like, mm -hmm. how do some people not? I don't know. Like people, yeah, it, though, it just goes to show people process things in very different ways. Yeah, there's that sort of meme going around that shows like the different levels of resolution of somebody imagining an apple. And it's like, <laughs> where are you on it? Right. It's like, oh, and some wow. people, it's like a full photorealistic apple. And for other people, it's like this faint gray ghost of an apple. Wow. Um, yeah, it is interesting to find out that it's fascinating to find out that people's brains and their conscious experience is different than yours. Right. Cause you can, you almost can't imagine it. Yeah. Right. It's just like how it's like trying to picture an, a color you've never seen before. It's like, I don't even know if it's not like mine, what could it possibly be? Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. A classic yeah. head trip right there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like, you know, I've said it once and I, I and I, I'd be happy to say it again. Like this mm -hmm. process seems like, um, you know, they say that, you know, the chaos theory that a butterfly flapping its wing can create the typhoon where like the artistic process and the cathartic quality of it, um, the mystical quality of it seems to be, you could put it like it's the butterfly noticing its wing begin to create the typhoon. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean you'll get it every time, but right. like you just the, the witnessing of it shows the inherent potential in, in anything you do. Um, yeah. And cause yeah. that, that's the, that's a real beauty. One of the beauties of art to me is just like, we're not gonna, you know, pay, we're not going to buy a mansion with our writing. Neither of us uh, do I expect nope. to ever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing that got me, you know, that like when you're thinking about it, like the, the first time you decide beyond a short story, you're like, I want to actually mm -hmm. write something substantial here. And like, what mm -hmm. is the payoff in the long run other than the fact that I love doing this, mm -hmm. you know, and that's all that you should really need. But of course you're going to think about the payoffs. Like what else, what else right. is going on here? And just the chaos theory alone of having this thing out in the world 
And it could just be sitting on one person's bookshelf, you know, like 20 years from now, and they just crack it open and, and, yeah. and, and see the world in a whole different way. Like that's real magic right there. Yeah, 100%. for sure. It's, yeah, it's funny when, when I first came out, so I used to not promote stuff at all until like a couple of years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Until House of Sleep came out and I was like, all right, I really have to actually try and like make something happen. Here. Yeah. Because well, otherwise, man. like, what am I, what am I doing? Right. And so I ended up, I would just give it away to people on Twitter and I would, I would mail it to, I'd mail them a free copy. Dude, like and the old mixtape like, route. I've done that yeah. too. I still do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Salute. Yeah. Yeah. I mailed it. Yeah. I mailed it to like dozens of people and they would be like, Oh, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm going to have time to read it. I was like, don't worry. I'm, I'm doing a magic trick right now. All I need is you for you to have it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just see what, we'll see what happens. And, and yes. you know, some people certainly read it and I became friends with some of those people, you know, um, like sometimes it just was like, you know, dropping a coin into a pond and you never, you never saw it again. And other times it, it started a, a cool friendship or led to some different connection that I wasn't expecting. Um, and yeah, that was, that was literally like a deliberate, like just f- shove it, shove it out into the world, yeah. right? <laughs> Cram it out into the world and see what happens. The and butterfly been- flapping its right. wings. Yeah, Hell exactly, yeah, man. man. You're totally, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. Um, so uh, with all this being said, um, I'm sure you've got at least one story. Like what's, we're very interested in unexplainable phenomena on this show. And I'm not uh, just talking about like UFOs or cryptids because I'm interested from the Jungian perspective, but like mm. just unexplainable phenomena in general, whether it be like, you know, the example I gave of having a dream of someone's face that I met months later, like Oof. what are things, uh, yeah. do, you have, do you have any interesting stories you'd like to share? Well, yeah, let me think for a second. I mean, I haven't really seen I haven't really seen anything I can't entirely explain, I got to say. I've had now I've had uh tarot giving tarot readings to people every once in a while something kind of there's a lot of context kind of required to understand why it's kind of crazy. Well, like I gave somebody a reading once and she in the reading figured out she needed to get a divorce and went and got a divorce the next oh, week right damn and again yeah. it was like she didn't ask me a question i just gave her cards and told her what they meant right wow so is that paranormal or something i mean i don't know i leave it to her i guess to decide but but that's sort of strange to me right that definitely you can just i would call that some high some strangeness random, some random cards and this person decides that they're going to change their whole life um i've had a couple I've had a couple experiences on ayahuasca that I struggle to explain outside of, uh, I, I struggle to explain. Uh, uh, we'd love to hear those. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'll give you, it. I'll give you a couple. So one of the, one of the, um, one of the sort of noted effects of ayahuasca is that people often say that they have, um, some level of psychic experience while they're under the influence with other people that are, that are, um, that are, uh, you know, also under the influence. And so I've got a couple, I mean, one is, um, I sitting in a big ceremony room, right? So you're in a big, you're in a big room with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are really going through it. So there's some people are having difficult emotional experiences. They're having purges, they're crying, you know, they're, they're, it's not fun and games in there for the most part, you know, it's, it's a pretty, 
intense experience. And I remember one guy, he was four or five seats away from me. And I had somebody that I knew quite well sitting right next to me. And this guy, I didn't know at all. Mm-hmm. This other guy I was sitting four or five from me. I didn't know at all. And he's mostly crying all night, mostly sort of hit hiding in his hand and crying. And I had some moments of sort of clarity in there where I just sat up and I just watched him and he couldn't see me, but I just stared at him and I was just trying to, I was just like my, I was just trying to be as pot, you know, really sending positive vibes, mm-hmm. right? Just when, when people say, Oh, I'm sending you vibes. That's what I was doing. I was just like, <laughs> boom, I'm going to just love this guy. Um, and the next morning at breakfast, he came up to me. He's like, dude, I don't know if I would have made it through that night without you, man. Wow. <laughs> and I, he and I exchanged no words at all until wow. the next morning. Right. Um, and yeah, he was like, dude, without you sitting there, just being strong for me. I don't know if I could have done that. And wow. um, yeah, so like clearly he felt there was a connection there. Right. And And yeah, there were definitely... That was probably the most like hard for me to explain. One, yeah, dude, I sure. love it. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. See, yeah. man, people, people are always looking for Bigfoot as uh, right. some sort of um, proof of just anything unexplainable that is that that we're trying. But like, oh, there's so much that's under your nose, man. Yeah, like, that's just things like, like subtle, that. just subtle yeah. synchronicity or whatever that's really difficult to explain. Yeah, yeah, and you have to be open to that. Like, yeah. You have to kind of look at that stuff with soft eyes, I think. I think it's really too easy. People dismiss stuff too too easily, you know? Um, or, or, I mean, what's like run to the most sort of scientific explanation all the time? And <clears throat> I don't know, man. Like the whole sort of scientific rational process has done a lot of great stuff, but like it's also thickened that membrane I was talking about, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. Um, I, um, this is... I would probably need to dedicate like a whole episode to this. Um, but um, for the sake of bringing it up, um, it you know, at least in passing, I remember mm-hmm. just recently coming across, um, you know, there's like Newtonian and Cartesian models of science that have prevailed to this day. Well, there mm-hmm. was the like, I don't know how you would really say it, like the Gautierian like oh, model okay. of yeah. science. And, you know, because he was into like, deep into uh like pioneering or you know furthering like color theory and botany and all these different things and he had this whole mapped out approach to science um where if i'm given the most bare bones it was it was still like extremely empirical the emphasis was on empiricism um but with you know, it was just like super hermetic, I guess. He was like laying a qualifying factor on um, aesthetic and context uh, from the human point of view. So he was saying like, I guess the easiest way to put it would be like, you can't understand your scientific measurements unless you understand your own mind as part of the instrument of measuring. And that's what science takes out of the equation constantly. And like, yeah, you don't inherently necessarily need morality and ethics to understand physics but like you need to understand like the trickle effect at least i guess you need to understand the grand context i guess like not to be cheesy but you need to be present of like what you know your butterfly flapping can do right yeah for sure well and this is the thing like all the deep quantum theorists know this right like when they get onto the and, and i don't pretend to know like 
how any of this deep quant uh, particle physics stuff works. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to pretend, but like, I do know that a lot of the, the, the smartest people who know about this stuff are, they're starting, you know, or they have been for a while talking about perception and observation and how, you know, it's, it's, and it, it's only when you, it's only when you sort of back away quite a ways that this, the real sort of science, scientific mindset, the sort of science trademark, right? Capital S with an science with an exclamation point and a TM next to it. Those <laughs> kind of people are like, ah, it's all, everything's no nonsense and cut and dry. But when you get out into the, like the deep, the deep waters of science, those people are like borderline mystics a lot of the time. Yeah. Right? 100% yeah. man. Yeah. Um, well, um, Oh, I have another one. I have another sort of paranormal thing please. for you. Okay. Yeah, go for so, it. all right. So there's, um, my day job, I've spent a lot of time working on uh, construction sites or quasi-construction sites, concerned mostly with stuff that's underground, right? Okay. And um, when stuff's underground, you don't know exactly where it is. And so um, I've been, I've spent some time with guy, a guy um, who is a well driller, um, and we use his, you know, equipment and his know-how to do some other stuff. And um, he is a you know are you familiar with dowsing water witching or water wanding yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. i yeah. i kind of mostly i've heard it right. like go let explain it again yeah yeah so so they're, they're used it, it it's called dowsing some people call it water wanding or some people who do it are called water witches uh -huh. and the idea is that you can basically like hold a stick or hold two sticks of some kind and you can find water underground Right. right. Okay. By, how, yeah, yeah. by the way that they move. And this has never been scientific. It's never been scientifically verified that this is possible. But this guy that I know, we he never would we never re would rely on it a hundred percent. It was never like this thing is telling us this, and so it's got to be a fact. But like I saw him find stuff underground using that, sewers and water mains and things like that. Um, I once we had some downtime. And I once I had a utility map. So I had a map of where everything was mm -hmm. and I sort of tested him <sighs> and he um, he got a couple false positives, but there was nothing that he never got a false negative. Wow. So there's a, so he would just, and he, what he had is he had these, basically these two metal, they look like um, old school radio telescoping antennas, right? Mm -hmm. Like with the, like you'd get from Radio Shack and like a remote control car controller or something. He had two of those on these telescoping things and he'd hold them very at a very particular like grip. And then as he walked over the thing, they would cross. Interesting. That, that kind of gets into yeah. like ley lines and stuff too, right? Like theoretically. Yeah, what's funny is like he's such like a he's such a cool dude, but he's very just like working class, like no nonsense guy. And you'd ask him how it works, he's like, "Fuck, I don't know how this works." Wow, you know no, what I mean? that's respectable. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Like, I'm not, I don't have any theories about this man. I just know that it works. He apparently he bought a bunch of property, and somebody had told him there was a well, there was an old well out there, and apparently he just went and found it with these things. What the hell? That's a yeah. badass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll see online sometimes, like there'll be people be like, "Oh, this is ridiculous." And I'm like, "No." Dude, if the, the person knows how to do it, or or maybe he's born with it, I don't know. He tried to teach me how to do it, and I had zero success with it. Yeah, see, some people just like the deep chasms of their psyche. They're just 
they're more in tune to random things that you know our senses like yeah yeah it's just like on the tips of our tongues but we'll never be able to really articulate like right. what they're even picking up on right and to me like i don't even necessarily know that like what he was doing was like paranormal it just could be he's registering something that we aren't good at measuring or something totally. right like we have radar right we have sonar like he might just be picking up on like i i don't know how it works he doesn't know yeah. how it works but yeah and in the end i like to think of all this stuff being on sort of a continuum you know there's the phrase like god of the gaps where god mm -hmm. works to explain the science that we don't understand and in that like heuristic evolutionary sense that kind of does seem to be how it's always been um mm -hmm. with the unexplainable in general as well like if I mean, how it ha that's kind of how it has to be, right? Like if that, if uh, dowsing is possible, then it's got to work on some sort of pre-existing, like, because I mean, science is, is, is magic. It's all perspective, right? Yeah, like yeah. You, 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 you time travel a dude uh, 200 <laughs> years into the future and he's probably going to lose his shit, you know? Right, it's like, right. Yeah. Very interesting to think. Yeah, about. And, and well, that's, I mean, science isn't done, right? Like, right, never yeah, they're still, they're constantly trying to figure stuff out and there's always explanations that aren't good. And like, you know, there's stuff with the, even with the, we talk about this like dark matter stuff that dark matter i know they often present it as like this like thing that they figured out that's just like a a spot that their calculations don't work right. like they don't know what they don't know what that is they really don't yeah so you know one day they're going to figure out what that's all about right mm. so yeah so there's a or there's they won't and they'll just or continue to you know worship dark matter basically right. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's funny though like everything requires a little bit of faith right Mm -hmm. even science even materialist science itself requires yeah that's sort of that's faith. my thing is like i don't i i feel bad like I, I don't mean to bash science it's 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 a it's a it's a great process it's brought us a lot of cool stuff and good stuff and but like i i i always get up in arms a little bit when like it stops it it doesn't admit that there is a statement of faith in in it Right. right. Yeah. Like it doesn't. I, yeah, it doesn't agree. Yeah. It's like you have to. You know that you're like jumping to a conclusion, or you're 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 you're, you know. I think Terence McKenna said that the whole Big Bang theory cracked him up because it was like science was saying, "Give me one miracle at the beginning, and I'll explain everything else." Yes. Yeah. yeah I love that quote <laughs> so much. Yeah. It's so true too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You um, just think one thing that makes absolutely no sense. You got to give me that one, and then I'll explain everything else. Yeah. So. Well, man, what do you, what would you say to someone that like people who are trying to find their creative process a little bit in that inherent sense where like, I don't know, someone, it's not just something that you're trying to pick up, like mm -hmm. to meet somebody or like a pastime, like you've got a real itch, like writing, right. like you and I, yeah. like, how do you go about that, man? What do you do? Like, what, how do you go yeah. about putting the time in and like, what is the mindset that it takes? Like, I'd like to ask you this for fun sure. yeah. um, uh, to, to sort of play into the larger question that I just asked. Like, why is it that it seems to be archetypal with writers? They love tobacco and amphetamines. What's up with that? <laughs> it's not obvious. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you got to pass the time somehow, right? Yeah, yeah, no, no, man. I, I mean, yeah, no, it's funny. Amphetamines is funny. This is not my thing, but like, I know, I know it would be. You know what totally. I mean? I, like, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I just, I'm scared of them because I know if I'd start, if I took one once, I'd be like, oh, here we go. Yeah, I'll um, stick with coffee. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. and I hit the coffee hard, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, part of it, it, it literally. I mean, to the bat, nicotine is is like the original nootropic. One hundred percent, man. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes like supposedly. I've heard that it like literally adds a handful of IQ points um, while you're then under the influence of nicotine. Yeah. Like in terms of your like cognitive sharpness, I guess you could say yeah. there is some, there are definitely some studies to show that uh, it's a nootropic. Yeah. Most yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people who are like way anti-smoking, but like it's, it's a chemical. It has its effects. Right. And yeah. there's a reason why people have enjoyed it for centuries. Right. For sure. <laughs> People wouldn't Fine do quality drugs. tobacco is yeah. is a nice thing. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. People wouldn't people wouldn't do drugs if they didn't have some positive aspect to them, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, so I, I think that's part of it. Is it just makes connections sharper? It makes things. It makes your. It makes it easier to catch up with your own thoughts and and and. Um, I think particularly as like a word person, it's it's it seems like it makes it slightly easier to find the word all the time. Yeah. Um, and caffeine is mostly just to wake up because um, <laughs> I get up at about four fifteen in the morning and excuse me and start writing. And you asked, okay, so what is the, how do you, how do you do it? Right? Like, how do you find the time? And this is going to sound, I don't mean this to sound negative or to sound dark, but you got to pick something you're going to give up because you're not going to get to do everything now. <laughs> Yeah, well put. Absolutely, terrible, and it can be it could be whatever, right? And it it's like if you're gonna be serious about it, if you're gonna be like an everyday, I'm gonna do this for, uh, you know, more than half an hour. I'm gonna do it for an hour or two hours or three hours. You don't get to have all of the other things of a normal life. Now, I have I have a wife and a family, and I have great friends. Um, I have a day job, sort of. <laughs> I, you know what i mean like i've had to i've definitely had to i've definitely had to give things up i get by on average six hours of sleep that's just how my life is and i've adapted to it or maybe mm -hmm. i was sort of good with it to begin with maybe but yeah i rarely sleep more than six hours a night um nice so that's i've always part considered of it. that like a superpower man the yeah. people who are under the six and under where yeah. they can just function still. I can't do I got to get six minimum, bro. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Six is a good night. Six is a good night sleep for me. Like that's oh, enough. That's plenty. A, dude. Yeah. Every yeah. yeah. Good for you, champ. So yeah. <laughs> so so <laughs> it does feel a little bit like a superpower sometimes. But they'll talk to me like, I slept 10 hours. They'll be like, I slept for 10 hours. It's like, how does that even, how do you even do that? Yeah. Um, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. Well, but if you need it, you need it, you know? Um, but yeah, that would be the thing that I would say is like you you do have to and, and when I say you have to give something up, I guess what I really mean is like you've got to find a spot in your life to put it and you got to hammer that fucking thing into that spot in your life, right? Yeah. Like you got to really try to protect that. Um and you got to try to do it. I mean, you're never going to you're not going to be able to do it every single day forever, but like you really have to like it sounds weird because I'm 
fascinated with the sort of the 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 quasi mystical aspects of it but i'm also like no you have to have like a deadline and you have to have alarm clocks and like you have to like you have to actually you actually have to like make the time and protect that time and you know and i think part of it is you find the time that nobody i do it in the morning because who's going to be up nobody's going to be up as early as i'm up so you know no one's reaching out to me no one's sending you emails or asking for anything um so i get that you know two hours or whatever and then i take that two hours seriously it's like that is what i'm doing in that time yeah so yeah yeah, you got to get defensive about it there's something really beautiful like even if no one ever reads it just the idea of being able to sit down and in not in like an oppressive way, but just have complete and total control over a creative project. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to ask permission or tiptoe on collaboration. Mm-hmm. All, all the only thing that's separating you from the final product is the the decisions that you make, essentially. Right. And right. that is it. And uh, you don't even need you don't even need funding. Like you could start no. writing with a pen and paper. You know. Um, yeah, it's like the cheapest thing. Like it's. <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's like the cheapest art form too. You don't even need it. You don't even you don't even really need a computer, right? Like right. You can buy without a computer. Um yeah, I think that I think that's absolutely true. And you know, writing is one of those things too. It's sort of like uh I think I have some level of like innate talent. I'm not saying I have a lot, but like I think I have a little bit. Um but also it does feel like one thing that you can just do the hard way. And by the hard way, I mean you can just you can just do it without any talent. And if you just work really hard at it, whereas like, I feel like if you're not a musical person, if you'd have no musical inclination, you're probably never going to be very good. at. I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 It's just like, it's like you don't have that sense, but everybody, you know, if you're reasonably verbal, you can probably write halfway decent. And so if you just work at that thing, you can make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I mean, it's just, um, like we're all using words. We're not all playing mm-hmm. guitar. So right. like there's a little bit of a follow through. Like I, t- everyone has ideas worth talking about. It's mm-hmm. really the labor of going mm-hmm. through it all. Like it's a massive undertaking. Yeah. But what a mountaintop is it for you once you finally complete yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it really yeah and is. it's 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 funny sometimes too because when you have these like big when you're writing a novel, you gotta you gotta savor the small accomplishments too, right? Because mm-hmm. it takes so long. So you gotta savor like these midpoint little victories, figuring something out or finishing a chapter or whatever. And it is funny when I sort of had sometimes have these like glory moments and then like up oh, time's up and I have to like go out to my normal life, and you're sort of just like I don't know how to explain to you how elated I am about yeah. this that just happened. Like, it, you, there's no way you're gonna, it's gonna make sense to you. And if I try to explain it to you, it'll just sound like, yeah, isn't that what you do every day? You're like, no, you don't get it. It went really well this time. Yeah, <laughs> I figured yeah. this thing out, or I got this, this chapter's done, or yeah, for sure. I so, remember. I can't remember where I heard this, but someone equated that process of trying to explain something really impactful to you to someone else like it'd be yeah. a dream for that matter and it just yeah. doesn't play it's just like yeah. imagine like you know like moses seeing the burning bush and then trying to relay it to someone <laughs> like how do you how, right. how do you go about right. that like right um like in and in some way you know if people are interested or can relate then they'll get it but some people are just never gonna fucking get it and yeah 
Yeah, and, and that's you know, okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. Well, yeah, I'm sure I miss. I'm sure I don't understand other people's, you know, other people's victories and defeats and all of that either, right? I mean, everybody's, everybody's, uh, everybody's in their own little rowboat with a hole in it. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but I think that's that's some of the inherent beauty of art is are those little victories. Like you might not be able to uh, express it all the time to some people, but like when you're when you're really getting into it and it's not even a matter of skill like you were saying before but when you're really invested in the process for the love of it like you are you are like indiana jonesing it up you you're you're really going on the adventure and when you come back it's just like it i guess in the same way of like being really absorbed in a good movie or like a good experiencing good art creating it it's just like where have i been all this time mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and that's priceless it truly yeah yeah, it is. It makes it worth it for its own sake. Amen. That's why that's why I circle back. It's why like art is just a fundamental function of being a person, right? It's because Amen. of that. It's because of how good that feels. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, closing comments. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with um as they um grind through their artistic pursuits? <laughs> um uh, I, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna use this s- slight opportunity to promote Art of Darkness again. So artofdarkpod.com, please check us out. We got recent episodes on Maya Deer and Joseph Conrad. Uh, who else have we done recently? Well, we've got the HP Lovecraft episode. These are in depth, full. We do the full profile. You're gonna know pretty much everything worth knowing about them and their work. Um, multi hour episodes and also yeah. we have inter- we have follow up interviews with some some interesting people we just had on the guy who translated um who did the recent edition of Franz Kafka's diaries who did the translation it was an interesting conversation wow. um so um anyway but to use that to to, to I'm going to actually use that to to answer your question so <laughs> in studying all of these are these these people i've learned some things about how to how successful artists operate in the world and there's a handful of commonalities i think you could um you could sort of apply to all of them um the one that i think is important and i don't know how many of them would have said this but this is what i've pulled out of it from looking at them they have you have to be a little delusional all right like you in that fighter to... pilot sense. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. just knowing that you're going to survive and go out right. there. Yeah. Exactly. It's like you have, to, it doesn't matter if doing it's actually important to the world. It doesn't act, <laughs> right. that doesn't matter. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it's important to you and have a delusion. Believe in your delusion that it's important. Because if you, if every day you're wishy washy and like, well, I don't know if I should do this. I don't, I don't know. I could be using my, t-. no, 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 no. no. Be delusional. Be a little delusional. Be delusional for a half an hour a day, at least. <laughs> I love that. It's like, it's like, um, some scientists. Oh man, I have a sneeze in my nose that's not oh. coming out. I think, I think it's passing though. <laughs> some scientists will say like, uh, you know, I don't know, like the logistics of the brain science, but like you have to the the fact that we dream is in some sense like exercising our sanity, you know, and then like. I guess the easiest way to put it is like look at sleep deprivation and then you slowly mm-hmm. start to go insane. And it mm-hmm. seems like dreams in a way are integral, not just sleeping, but the dreaming itself is is uh, what helps that in part. And in the that. same way, uh, like I guess if if you're channeling uh, your ner- 
your delusions or your neurotic tendencies in that alchemical sort of way. Like if you're doing it right, you're turning lead to gold and right. it doesn't matter if anyone like, sure. Like uh, any artist, I think it's also silly to pretend like you don't care if anyone reads it. Like that's part mm -hmm. of, that's part of the exchange. We want people right. to enjoy our art, but yeah. being focused on numbers is just simply not the point. It's just about the the process and the exchange itself. It's yeah, like what's more, archetypal than that like it really is you know something that's like eating sleeping and breathing and and screwing and and mm -hmm. then there's art you know mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah yeah i was gonna say thank you very much for coming on the show not that i'm trying to wrap it up right now but i'm just yeah. saying like well thanks for having getting, me man yeah yeah we're getting towards <laughs> no, really the end now that. sure and it uh i said before uh we recorded like it's kind of like we've known each other for a lot longer we're definitely on the same wavelength and yeah. um um, well, this is the beauty of every this is the beauty of social media, man. I know it's easy to brag on it. People yeah. say bad things about it. And, and it is true. Like, man, you got to kind of be careful about how you spend your time on it or what, and whatnot. But man, I've met some great people. I mean, I've met you. This is cool. Yeah. Um, and I've met a lot. I've met a, I've met a bunch of people on 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 Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you're out there uh, at Brad Kelly. Um it's really cool when you know how to use it, man. And yes. Sort of. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've made some lifelong friends and I continue to make friends that I'm sure I'll be in contact with for a long mm -hmm. time, such as yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just, uh, everything is a tool. Yeah. It yeah, exactly. On how you exactly. use it. Exactly. Um, but uh, real quick to listeners, um, if you've made it to the end of this episode, um, I will uh, remind you, you could go check out, what is it? It's episodes 14, 30, 32. 33 34 and 35 we finished a month-long event minus some outliers of um interviewing some characters that may sound a little bit like myself but i assure you it's a conspiracy i am not doing that i'm i'm currently out doing other more awesome things and it's just purely happenstantial that i can't be there but uh if you want to listen to some interesting characters that are uh you know, too dumb to be a cult, but too organized to just be guys hanging out in yeah. the swamp. Um, go check it out. I, think I, I learned like a lot about silver from a silverback commando. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot about um, he just he just really. Uh, I, I learned a lot. Let's just say that I learned yeah. a lot about dolphins. Um, very very fascinating conversation. <laughs> oh man. Dude uh yeah thank you very much man i'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it um <laughs> well uh now that we finished the the event um they won't be consistent every week but um we'll definitely be hearing more from those insane bastards um uh and seriously brad thank you very much um tell kevin i said what's up um i'm we'll gonna do. have to have yeah. a conversation with him one of these days too sure yeah man he'd be up for that for sure right on right on yeah. wait you take it easy. Thank you again you very much. And uh, we'll have you back on this show uh, sometime soon. There's plenty more to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much, man. Good to meet you. Uh, good to actually talk with you voice to voice. So Likewise. Thank likewise. You so, thank you so much. Don't forget Brad Kelly, Art of Darkness podcast. You've been listening to Black Hoodie Alchemy. Um, I'm your host, Anthony Tyler. We hope to hear from you next week. Take it easy. Funny money, bleeding your pockets, crooked profits, collection plates, squeeze your faith, confessions aren't honest, banging hammers and names across us, you cooking cotton, systemic problems, so a blanket to sleepwalking, approach extreme caution, provoke pristine novice, buy the book, burn the book, toss them out of office, cross them off a long list, peace is my accomplice, clear the conscience, it was written tainted with the
children Forbidden truth and vision roots Actions why the crops Back against the ball City hall back to crooked cops Straight bullets, crooked shots Pressure cooking out of pots Try to stay civil Amongst the uncivilized Gorillas in a monster's eyes Giants with a chronic lean Stomping on your skyline Diabolical bleed Bringing the garden seeds Feeding the starving eat We beat the odds Rebels with the cars Sitting in the shrine Talking dirty to the guys My nigga, we beat the odds Rebels with the cars Sitting in the shrine Talking dirty to the gods Yeah, we beat the odds Rebels with the cars Sitting in the shrine Talking dirty to the gods My nigga, we beat the odds Rebels with the cars Sitting in the shrine Talking dirty to the gods Into my thoughts War stories Adventurous plots and balance is center is off No agenda you lost The only thing that I got Is my pen and my rock I speak the truth Nothing less Hi, am Mr. Frost Remember the loss Every day When I roll up my first J Bottled up rage Though they say it's the worst way Release the pain Through my wordplay I got a feeling of anxiety Like work on the first day I ask Is the space the earth Furnishes curse Or were we born from paradise And slowly turning to worse I murmur the words of peace Hoping that after the next turn The wars will seize A new chapter for us to learn Look back at what we've forgotten All knowledge is reborn Let's go on ourselves a former father, brothers or more I've been warned all my life about the dangers ahead And seen many good friends fall from being slaves to the bread Been designed to contend, son I fight to the end I still kick it with the same folks, minus some friends Used to dream of being honest, but greed is what divides us Can't see the picture clear, then blink and let your eyes adjust Arise as one, illuminate like the rising sun On the move, dodging slugs from a firing gun It's war outside, just sit and watch the death toll rise Take your last Breath, unexpected homicide Young delinquents fighting over patches of turf Never had a chance to grasp the expanses of earth Instead cancers give birth and spread Embedded in our heads, ideas and hurtful trends Immersed in the worst of daily life Still we emerge and purge the parasites Pulling our hair like lice Sure it's cold but I bear the ice Cause life's a bargain Gliding through the air throwing knives or carving targets